You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Welcome back, Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and we have two guests on from our team preview series that I frankly did not think we were going to bring on this early, but it's crisis time in Cleveland. We have Chris Manning from Fear of the Sword, Eric Jackman from MMA Fighting. You'll remember them from our Cavaliers preview uh, episode. I don't think we expected to talk about the Cavs at 3-5 and five with five double-digit losses in a row. Are we? What's the level of panic in terms of on a scale of ten right now? I think a, I think like a six. I don't, I don't think it's out of control yet. I think you know you still have some deniability uh, that it could get better, and just some reason to think that it should get better, and all that. But there's just a lot, at least in my opinion, that I I think is bad, and I th- I think they're, they're facing a lot of problems that I don't know exactly how they solve. And and I think a year ago when they had bad starts and were and didn't care kind of like they do now i i think a lot of their problems were more fixable eric are we panicking a little bit more are we panicking a little bit less trust in lebron i'm gonna say uh my level is at like a two. Oh, um, really not, not not panicking at all um if you remember um back to our preview pod um, we, I, you, the question was asked, who would I rather not see um, on Golden State? And my answer was Kevin Durant versus, you know, somebody like a Draymond Green who could potentially protect uh, protect the rim. I'm not worried about the Cavs offense. It will eventually come together, but they can't stop a nosebleed, which I kind of saw coming. Not concerned about it. LeBron will get them into gear uh, probably by midseason. The Cavaliers currently have the worst defensive rating in the NBA. The worst. If you recall, also, they had the 29th-ranked defensive rating after the All-Star break last year. So I think it's fair to say that the defense is kind of a problem. Yeah, uh, I think the I think the defense is unavoidably a problem. Just look at the personnel that they have. They're, they're playing Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade and Jeff Green, and now Kevin Love's going to be starting at center again with Tristan Thompson out for a month, and he's you know, maybe their best defensive player, if not second best, and is certainly their best frontcourt defender. So that means more Channing Fry. And there's, I mean, there's literally no way around the fact that this team can't stop anybody. I mean, the, the Pacers, I mean, for example, on Wednesday in their most recent loss, a team that's come out shooting a lot this year and has played really well on offense. I mean, a team that didn't have Miles Turner should not be dropping that many points in the Cavs so easily, even oh, if the God. Cavs' defense is bad. It's, it's, it's abysmal. And, Listening to Austin Carr complaining about every single middle pick and roll that ended in a basket, it was actually kind of amusing. I, I thought for a second, like to make just a supercut of him grunting and complaining the entire game. He's been doing that since preseason. It's it's in, he's in he's already in midseason panic mode. He's been that way since preseason. And it's like he's he's the analyst, right? But I, what I love about him is he he just sort of is complaining there, just like you. He's like. They run the same play. They get a, they get a layup, and we can't get a layup. Like, what's going on here? And he's just grumbling, like 
grumble it's just it's hilarious uh, honestly like i'm sorry it's probably not funny for y'all but i find no, it fascinating funny. yeah you find it funny too yeah austin car annoys a lot of people and i i think there are fair critiques of him but like i enjoy cranky austin car oh, that so cranky. even though it, even though like it's you know it's a lebron team that doesn't care that much and is kind of figuring stuff out in a lot of ways he's just like they should be playing like they're in the finals every game every moment and you just like i love how annoyed he gets when they when they just don't defend a pick and roll or can't get a layup What's great about Austin, though, is it's 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 not only riding the lows. Um, he'll flip around the next game when the Cavs are playing well and ride the highs just like the rest of us. Um, so or in game, in the same game, he'll do that. He'll flip all the way around. So, so Eric, you're at a two. It's fairly well established that this team's got problems defensively. I assume that if you're at a two, you believe that most of the problem is that they don't give a crap, and that is fixable. Is that fair to say? I think it's two things. Primarily, it is that they don't give a crap. Secondarily, I think there's a reality that, like, this team does need to match. Um, you know, people are, are down on, you know, the composition of the team, the age, all that stuff, which is, which is valid. Um, but it takes time for these things to come together, no matter how good the players are. You know, overhauling the roster in that significant a way, um, there's going to be some time that it takes to adjust. So uh, I'm, a, I'm accounting for uh, their lackadaisical uh, attitude towards seeding and a little bit on them just needing time. Are you guys surprised that LeBron seems kind of chill about all this? No, because the guy was more excited for his Halloween party than yeah uh, he he was for this and like that's but that's lebron like he's also just not going to he's very politician in the way that he's not going to tell you like he's going to pick when he's annoyed right like if like last year and there's that game in new orleans where he called uh they lost and he called over lloyd and varda and all the beat guys and like was very vocal about specific things he wanted to talk about and i think it's too early for that and I, I think behind the scenes there's probably some of that lebron but i think at least publicly he's not going to do that yeah, like I think he, the, the, you will have a game where LeBron is annoyed, and he's he's said some things that it kind of brushes away what they're going through. But um, I, I I mean there has to be a breaking point for him too, though. Like there has to be something where, you know, Washington on Friday, uh, I, I it wouldn't shock me if they lose that game pretty badly. Mm, um, I don't know. And, and like that. I mean like I mean look John like John Wall Derrick Rose having to defend John Wall and and with how Jr's played Jr having to track Bradley Beal is like enough for me to just assume the Cavs are going to lose that game by like fifteen or something. Yeah, but, the, the the Cavs did not blow a twenty one point lead to the Phoenix Suns at home though the same night. That's that's true. That's true. But like I, LeBron's going to get annoyed at some point. So I I think it's interesting the contrast. So if you remember in LeBron's first season there after he came back they got off to a rough start too and he was a lot more annoyed <laughs> than he is right now you know he was did, didn't he have the whole like freeze out whole thing with Kyrie Irving and saying that Kyrie needs to learn how to play and he was acting in full sort of like grumpy LeBron mode all throughout that first half he was complaining about that they needed to roster upgrades and then they made the roster upgrades so I'm surprised that you know, this whole, like, oh, it's too early for him to get upset. Like, I don't know if that totally holds water. It wasn't too early three years ago. So what else? Something else I feel like must be going on here. I'll say one thing about, you know, the, the situation then versus now. Um, there's a there's one obvious one that they've won a title since. I know that takes a lot of pressure off LeBron, who promised to deliver one. That's true. Um, but two, he was trying to I feel like he was trying to shepherd a young team and, and young players like Kyrie and Dion at the time um, into something. And try and you know 
build on good habits for them so that they could take that throughout their career. This team is full of veterans. There's really not a young blood to kind of have to set that example for. Um, so I think he's just, you know, rolling with the punches for now. So it's all his buddies, too. We'll get to Dwayne Wade. I think you guys have some things you want to talk about with Dwayne yeah. Wade. Well. <laughs> <laughs> just a few. But LeBron has also said that he his ankle injury messed him up. He's not in as good shape. And, I mean, the the bottom line also is that he is 33. You know, I, everybody ages. And so, I mean, it was brought up when we had our last podcast where we looked at uh, or not, not with you guys, but our last show, uh, Alex Rubenstein was saying, like, isn't it kind of amazing that you know LeBron's roster now seems even now better than the rosters he had a few years ago when his first Cleveland stint? But the problem is that LeBron is thirty three himself, so maybe he realizes that he's ultimately culpable in some of this. And if he like kind of shines the uh, cracks the whip too much, then people are going to start to have it come back to him. I don't know. Well, Mike, I think that's a really good point because this is this is after watching what we've seen so far. This is my general theory about this team. If you look at the other really good teams in the league, Houston built a system that is a lot of long athletic wings and that can kind of shoot. And you've hardened Chris Paul and, and Capella to roll and dunk. The Warriors upgraded at the thing they're good at. They added more shooting. They took guys that fit their system, even if they're kind of weird characters. Uh, shots to Nick Young and are making it work. Delightful the characters. Cavs- <laughs> Nick Young, who like had 23 points and still had a negative plus minus on opening night. Forever a legend. Uh, LeBron, with the Cavs, they were like, okay, we have LeBron. Yes, we lost Kyrie, but we're just going to get guys that we know are talented, and we're just going to make them work. The system with still LeBron, you, you've seen them haven't done as much stuff with Kevin Love to start the regular season. Um, they're still just like relying so much on LeBron, and... In this in this point and at this and we don't know how much he doesn't care always in the regular season or how much effort he's not going to put in with the flaws of the other guys because it's not like they got like it's not like they replaced Kyrie Irving with another All Star they replaced him with Dwayne Wade Derrick Rose Jeff Green Jay Crowder like those are good guys and Isaiah has to come back still but they didn't exactly replace what Kyrie brought with other high level talent that is actually good in 2017. Right. Like that. And they're just like, OK, LeBron, you have to kind of do everything. And I think you're seeing the cracks in that. It's a it's that's a big reason for me why I'm pessimistic about where they're going to go. Like they might still make the finals. They might still probably get they're certainly going to get better. But just how this roster fits, not just and, and how much LeBron's going to have to do to make it work for me. It makes me kind of pessimistic about where they're headed. So that brings up something that Ben had talked about uh, offline. I'm sorry he's not here to say this, by the way. Great tweet from our friend of the program, Andrew Sharp, who said, uh, I'm trying to find this tweet because it was cracking me up. Uh, And it's like kind of such a great encapsulation of this. It was basically along the lines of, it was the ultimate testament to how we feel about LeBron, that we were all kind of like, after they got Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade, and Jeff Green, we're kind of like, oh yeah, LeBron can make that work. It's like the ultimate compliment to LeBron. It turns out maybe he can't. But that brings up the other thing that Ben was talking about offline with me, which is just, I mean, we might be overthinking this. Like, look at that roster around LeBron with Isaiah Thomas injured. Like, that team, he thinks, would win 20 games. I think they'd win more than 20 games. But it's not a good roster. And it's not a young roster. It's a roster where sometimes with these old teams, it just sort of collapses right away. So... He thinks we're overthinking this a little bit. Like the the team is just not very good, and they're paying for all these sorts of things that have cost them. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's a little more going on than just yeah, this roster stinks. But is there? Does he have a point? 
I think so. I, I would say, um, like, Derrick Rose isn't good, you know? Jeff no. Green isn't good, you know? Like, the fact that there, there have been games where Jeff Green's getting elbow touches, and if you're, you're a team doing that and running a play through Jeff Green, whether it's a second unit or not, and you're saying, Jeff Green's, we can trust Jeff Green to go out and get buckets for us in the second unit, that's, like, that's a problem. And, you know, and the Tristan Thompson injury shows so you how thin they are up front, and, and look, like Dwayne Wade is is Dwayne Wade at this point. He still can provide something, but like, can he carry a second unit on its own? Where it's him and Jeff Green and Corver and and Amon Shumpert and like they're they're just these really flawed role players. And it's it's not. I don't even know if it's a Lou thing. I don't know if it's if it's just the like the fit of the players. It's just kind of it's it's ugly. And I like there's there ends up being so much pressure on Isaiah when he comes back now because he has to be like he could fix a lot of what the I think some of the issues are because if he can be eighty percent of what he was, you're at least getting something that can kind of help LeBron. But if you don't get that, where do, where does that leave you? If Derrick Rose is is your starting point guard a, a game game one of the first round of the playoffs, like where where are you actually? going in, in a tangible way and it's probably like maybe this you can still go somewhere but it's because you have lebron but it just it just there's no way that they're actually going to be able to hit the same maybe peaks that they had with the kind of roster they have. I, I don't buy it fully like 20 wins is super low but it's not a good supporting cast and they're all flawed so here's why i don't buy this this explanation not that not that i don't i agree that the roster has kind of got problems but in the preseason we were saying that okay they don't have kyrie irving anymore but Boy, they have a lot more defense in depth with Jay Crowder. They have a lot more options. They can play a lot of different lineups. And it actually is a team that is more ma- suited to match up with the Warriors. So were we – I mean, Eric, were we, were we wrong in the preseason? Or is it just like you said that these guys are just got to round into shape and gain chemistry? Because it can't really be one or the other. Either the roster stunk all the way through or something happened in the preseason – that shifted the way we thought about this team and shifted the way this team saw each other? It's somewhere in between. The roster um, isn't as bad as they're playing right now. Uh, getting blown out by every single team they face is not something um, that even at the, at the absolute worst-case scenario um, they will be facing throughout the rest of the season. Um, but they're also just yeah worse than last season. Losing a big piece like Kyrie Irving and replacing him with a player who's not playing, um, plus Jay Crowder, is always going to hurt. So I think um, it's somewhere in between. They are really not as good as last year, but at the same time, uh, it's not doom and gloom. Um, they will pick it up and not be getting blown out by double digits in every game. Yeah, see, that's what worries me is that it's not like I can understand if just to compare it to the Warriors, who I believe are taking on the chin tonight when, in San Antonio as we speak, but the Warriors have lost some games. They've lost some close games by messing around, but ultimately – they're losing these games pretty tight and they're kind of uh, that is not great but it's not i don't think it's as big a problem as if you're getting blown out at home by the Knicks, the Pacers and the Magic. I don't know, like that really stands out. So here's what we'll do. Based on Christian Winfield wrote a piece today for espionation.com basically listing out what do you think are five really big reasons for why the team stinks right now and i might add a couple more and what i want y'all to help me out with is which of these reasons do you think are like reasons that are easily fixable or you don't really aren't really going to be a concern in a few months once they get their act together a little bit and which of these reasons are ones that are going to be really hard to fix and you're actually worried about them sort of lingering for a long time you guys ready yes all right reason number one the point guard situation sucks. 
after losing Kyrie Irving. And actually, Kyrie Irving is a pretty damn big deal. And until they get Isaiah Thomas back, that's that. That's that. Uh, is this a an issue that you think will linger, Chris? I do because I, I also think the way they're using Dwayne Wade, if you include him in this, is, is oh kind we of will we'll get to we'll get to yeah. Dwayne Wade. Right. But I mean, like he's running the second unit, and I think I don't know I don't know if playing Isaiah Rose and Thomas is act, playing them all and playing them all reasonable minutes is is actually tenable. And I'm not I'm really that that to me is going to be a, a thing they have to figure out, and not just Isaiah being healthy, but the, figuring that minute distribution out. They miss Kyrie Irving a little more than we thought, don't they? Yes, hundred percent. You know, maybe we were a little rude to Kyrie Irving about like, oh, they they play better without him. He's not a winning player. Like, actually, no, it's kind of nice to be able to throw the ball to a guy who can score like that and he can bail you out. Turns yeah. out, you know, maybe there's some value beyond the numbers. But so that's one reason. The other reason we talked about was um, they're not trying on defense. But I mean, it sounds like most of us believe that's an effort issue. But at the same time, there is also a lot of bad defenders on this roster. And they are especially bad in transition defense, which is part of that is effort. But part of that is also, I mean, you look at the roster that they have, they have a lot of players who once upon a time, they had teammates that could cover for them getting back a little slowly on defense. And now they have to be those teammates. (laughs) And I think that's a real problem, but is that something that worries? It sounds like it doesn't worry Eric. Chris, do you think that it is worrisome? Their defense is there being this bad. How much of that is like, okay, they'll get their shit together. And how much of it is, eh, no, this might be a problem all year. I mean, Um, I think it'll be a problem. But Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm. This is my red alert. This is going to be a problem throughout the oh, okay. year. Okay. I think they have. I have. I think they have to figure out ways um, to overcome that deficiency, whether it's pouring in more points on offense um, or making a trade to get somebody who's going to help them um, anchor the defense. But this is the number one problem. Um, it has nothing to do with, you know, Dwayne Wade uh, being old and and that type of thing. Th- those those are all factors. But the number one issue is they cannot guard. Um, anybody, and it's going to be an issue all year unless the roster changes. Do you think Ty Lue is focusing on this enough? I find it interesting that he's talking about pace and how their offense can help their defense and not like actually hitting the problem head on. But maybe I'm reading a little too much into what he's saying. Lou is not someone I, that I would expect to be forthcoming. I would just say that. He's not someone that's going to actually um, be super upfront about what he's working on. They just had like a really long practice and I know the D I know the defense really, it it was what, it was what he did for the Cavs before he got the head coaching job. So I'm I'm sure he's doing something something with it um, and with the staff more than he's kind of saying, because again, he's not someone who's going to tell you, He's not Steve Kerr. Let's just let's just like he's not gonna gonna give you like these visible hints of what he wants to do. He's gonna play things very close to the chest. Close to the vest, not close to the chest. But he might well, play. Yeah, Kerr, yeah. He might play yeah. close to the chest too. Right. I'm just envisioning him like talking into his bosom. That's a weird weird uh, <laughs> analogy. Uh, okay, so this is a red alert for you, Eric. I mean, look, they're they're gonna be bad on defense. Look at all the bad defenders they have. Yeah, and, and that's why I also think that Lou may be kind of telling it like it is. Like, this defense is not going to improve um, with some new scheme. Um, it's just fundamentally flawed. They're going to need to bring in another piece if they want to do it. And it sure as hell doesn't hurt that Tristan Thompson is now out for a month. Yeah, that's going to really hurt them for sure. I This is what Jay Crowder was supposed to fix, though, right? Like, so what's going on? What's, what's wrong there? Um, <laughs> that's, uh, I mean... 
he's just one piece. It's, it's really, you know, a lot to, to rest on his shoulders. I think the thing was Jay Crowder was supposed to open up the, the ability for LeBron to play free safety, but it doesn't help if you, you know, you're, you could have the best free safety in the world if everything else is giving up, uh, you know, offense um, every single time. Also, LeBron like is seriously in do not care mode on defense. Like, I really, I actually think that like had uh, we met for all the time that we made fun of James Harden for not trying on defense. I don't know. I guess LeBron's earned more the benefit of the doubt over his career, but that does have, that does have in a way of like sort of draining everybody else's energy if they feel like they have to like kind of cover for a, a person that's just sort of taking plays off. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Well, and I don't, I don't think five starting lineups already, you know, helps. And I don't, oh, you know, yeah. Crowder, yeah. And like Crowder's had his role moves around a little bit. And um, like, I, I've had some Boston like Twitter people kind of like truth his defense and say, oh yeah, this is what he, like, he's, he's actually this like as bad as he's been. But I, I think like there is a, something to be said that there just hasn't not been a set rotation and set kind of, kind of said what they're going to do because they've had to move things around so much so far. Yeah, that was that was one of the next ones that we were going to talk about that Christian mentioned, which was that it, it takes time for chemistry, but also they've kind of self had some self inflicted wounds with first with the whole Dwayne Wade or J.R. Smith starting, which I don't think in, in training camp and J.R. Smith saying what he said, he was very upset, although he was trying to go along with it. Then they have Kevin Love at center, and he didn't seem so wild about that. And then they switched back to Tristan Thompson and took Jake Crowder out, and now they got to switch back again. And not sure what the set rotation is. Is that all of this though? Like that that. Is that something, I mean, it sounds like Eric thinks this will just sort of figure itself out. I mean, do we both agree that this is something that, like, just needs time? Or do we think that this, like, need to tinker is actually something that will come back to bite them even later on down the line? I think it just needs time. I think you'll get guys healthy. You'll get guys in the rotation more normally. And um, Tristan Thompson's injury certainly hurts that. And, you know, Derrick Rose could get hurt at any time. But I think this is something that should just kind of even out. And especially if you can just find something that does work and you can lean on that for a little bit, that that would be a step in the right direction in its own right. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. But then we have to consider the fact that when Isaiah is ready, he's going to be inserted into that, further complicating it, bringing us right back to where we are right now. Um, so I'm, I'm not really concerned about it. Um, ultimately, it'll have to happen multiple times throughout this. And that brings us to Dwayne Wade. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. This brings up to Dwayne Wade. So currently averaging less than eight points a game on 41% shooting. He took himself out of the starting lineup, which, by the way, I don't totally buy. I don't know if you you see. I feel like that wasn't exactly like Dwayne Wade banging the door, begging Tyron Lue to take him out of the starting lineup. I feel like it was a little bit more of a mutual decision, let's say, um, that sold one way. So he he's out of the starting lineup now. Uh, there. It seems like, at least from reading stuff in training camp, there is a little bit of not resentment towards him, but just that this was this is a player who's clearly here because he's LeBron's best friend, and he's disrupting a lot of sort of like we talked about with the lineups, and he can't really shoot threes. He's clearly declined as a player, and he definitely is not known for his defense at this stage of his career. So. How worried are we that the Dwayne Wade factor might suck the life out of this team, Eric? I'm not too worried about it. Um, now, am I happy with the result of this? No, but I think my expectations were pretty low on Dwayne Wade. Um, I'm glad he's now you know, trying to shepherd the second unit. 
Um, I think that was the move to probably make all along. Um, I don't think was, you know, I think there's a, there's a, a pressure um, on being on the bronze team um, that permeates everything. Um, and it, and it always will, uh, just because of how magnetic he is, how magnetic he is and how much he controls everything. Um, I don't think adding Dwayne Wade to the mix, like really upsets that too much. That pressure is already kind of at its peak, uh, when you're playing on a LeBron team. So I think it's more just, um, his encore production. That's, that's ultimately going to, going to matter. And it's not that great right now. So hopefully it can improve. Chris, do you agree? Yeah, I do. And I would also add that I I think there are ways you can make him more usable. I think you don't I I think some of the lineups you've seen with him, it's him and, you know, Kyle Korver and Channing Fry and other bench guys. I think he's at the point in his career where I don't think he can carry that on his own. I think what you need to do is put him out there with Kevin Love, put him out there with I mean really for me it's Kevin Love but like put him out there with LeBron in certain moments and kind of give him someone else on the floor so he's not doing everything on his own and, and feeling like he has to do it on his own I think getting him comfortable in that kind of role where like you know he's running dribble handoffs with Kevin Love or running a pick and roll with with Kevin Love it would be the best way to kind of make because he, he's not the first or second banana this is and this is maybe the first time this has been the case for him that he's not like really should not be first or second on the on the on the lead on in this team, and I think you have to get him a comfortable man, not just coming off the bench, but seeding to to guys like Kevin Love and LeBron and and eventually Isaiah Thomas. I mean, do you think he's going to realize that? I mean, the hardest thing to, they always say the hardest player to coach in the NBA is the declining superstar, and the Cavs currently have a backcourt of those in Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade, and not to mention also Dwayne Wade is LeBron's buddy, and so <laughs> LeBron is also a I don't need to remind you guys that he's a free agent after the end of this year. So you would, the inference there is obviously if you want to keep the star happy, you have to keep his buddy happy. So the incentives for Wade to buy in and work on the, for this team and change his game that he hasn't changed for so long, aren't really there to me. So how do you get that him to do that? Yeah, you're right. But I think ultimately at this point, he's looking for a championship. Um, and so, you know, him and LeBron have a couple, have a couple together. Um, but I think at this point he wouldn't have signed just to go to, you know, sleepaway camp with LeBron. Um, you know, the, the paycheck obviously aside, um, but he signed for the minimum. I think he really does want to pursue a ring and will do what it takes. I think there was like a half truth that he wanted to go to the bench and a half truth that, um, Lou sent him there. I'm sure they both probably thought it would be for the best at that point. Um, and I think think he'll be able to to pick it up and adapt to that role willingly yeah well i mean we'll see i am (laughs) i made the comparison on twitter that i'm sure only three people understood that he's basically andrea pirloing his way on this team the way andrea pirlo doesn't plays for new york city where he's just kind of there and you don't you can't really piss him off too much but he's also way past his prime doesn't quite know how to, to grit and grind through these moments, and he's just kind of really costing the team, but you can't really do anything about it. I fear that that will happen this season, and I, I think it sort of happened in his last two stops. I've just sort of... Wonderful, legendary player, but sometimes these guys just lose it, and they don't realize it, or they don't know how to adjust. He's never really learned how to shoot threes. He's never really learned how to kind of adjust his game beyond those sort of crafty mid-range shots and 
being a better cutter, but he certainly hasn't adjusted defensively. Uh, he hasn't, you know, you look at all these other guys around the league that are in that age bracket. I mean, Vince Carter became a great three-point shooter and tougher defender and accepted a smaller role. Paul Pierce has certainly changed his game to adopt. I'm not sure Wade's done any of that. And so until he does, I mean, he's just, you you can't not play him, right? He's going to have to play, but then, you know, even with the way J.R. Smith is playing, he's probably a better option. You need it all affects it slides up to all effects of the wing minutes. You know, wrote, Thomas is going to come back and then he's going to want minutes. So I don't know this one. This one worries me. I think a little more than it worries you guys. I mean, I think you're right to to be worried, especially because I mean, I just don't think you can play him and Rose and Thomas. If they're playing, doing sort of the same things, overlapping in some ways, I, I have real concerns about how you can play them together. Um, and like Wade's not going to be good on defense, right? Like he's just never going to be good enough on defense. You know, I, I think if he's playing like he is right now, like is he even playable against Golden State? Like I think that's like a, a reasonable Golden concern. State. I'm not sure he's playable against anyone, but maybe I'm I mean, look, I mean, mean, like. I mean, but think about like I mean, like, think about like what, if he's guarding Jalen Brown, like he's gonna have problems with that, you know? Like mm-hmm. if they're playing Boston or against like D against the Wizards, do I I you know have a really good shot of beating? I mean, like they should feel very good about how they look against the Cavs now. Um, like Brad, like how's he defending Bradley Beal in the playoff series, right? Like how how are you like making that workable? You know, like you can't exactly hide him on Otto Porter necessarily. Um, you can't certainly can hide him on John Wall. So how do how does that work? And and can can the Cavs like overcome that with a team that doesn't have Kyrie because like last year, at least you could bunker down and do the isolation play and and do what you did with Kyrie and LeBron. You can't exactly do that with this team. You just it just it's not workable. And it was it was already kind of a, a thin line to walk last year. It's not it's it's not walkable at all this year. So why why won't why will they turn it around then? Like what exactly are we hanging our hats on? I know, I guess there's history, <laughs> which is a pretty big factor. There's LeBron. There's the fact that the East is, I mean, Orlando and Indiana are not going to be two of the top four teams in the East this season. I think it's safe to say. So there's some of that. Nobody else is really running away from it. Boston looks pretty good, but obviously they don't have Hayward. We've, we can talk all day about the Wizards up and down this. They already crushed Milwaukee. So that's another contender that they've sort of slapped down. Toronto is a team they know how to deal with. So I guess that's the optimism. But I don't know. I, it's not the same Cavs team. So what... What is keeping you guys optimistic that things might turn around? Quite simply for me, it's that the regular season doesn't matter to LeBron James and it never will Um, come playoff time. Even if they were in the absolute worst case scenario, let's say they try and shift it into gear and it doesn't get up to gear or it gets up to gear too slow um, now that the car is a little bit older um, and they get like a low seed. Anybody beating LeBron in a in a seven game series i'm i'm not and i think he feels the same way so as long as they can get in i think they know that they're going to be odds on favorites yeah i think you have lebron and i think he's he's been like amid all of this he's been good like he's had like some really good offensive games and and he's going to still be really really good i think um i think if if they figure things out enough on defense they should they can find the right lineups that should be really good offensively even if they they are going to have to just outscore teams and, and just kind of live by it and live by that again uh, to maybe do a, a higher degree. I, I think that's like enough in the East, and I think like that gets you somewhere in the East. It's and it also I think depends on what you actually thought coming into the year. If you thought like this new team, this Cavs team could compete against Golden State, and like this like could was a thing, like you you talked yourself into that. 
then like you certainly should feel worse. But if you're just like, okay, they, they might be a little bit, have a slighter, uh, a worse chance of coming out of the East just because like they're maybe not as good, but they, they have LeBron and they can, they can figure this out. Like you should still feel fine. I, I think it's just for me, they'll have enough on offense. LeBron's LeBron. And until like he loses, I feel like he just he he himself deserves the benefit of the doubt until he does lose, even if we go into the playoffs being very skeptical of of how things go. And it is it is still really early. Like it's November second. It's as we record this. There's just so much basketball that has to be played. The Cavs could honestly make a move. Like it wouldn't shock me if they do something, even if it's not with the Nets pick, and try to figure this out in some way. So I I and I do think they'll at least get better in some way. They they cannot be this bad for the whole year. I just I would be shocked if that was the case. It would be pretty amazing if they were this bad. I guess my concern is this sort of does feel a little bit like some of those old teams, they just lose it at a time when you just don't expect it and you're kind of always giving them the benefit of the doubt that, oh, they just need to turn it up and get back into gear. But there are a lot of examples like the uh, Super Team Lakers or maybe the the Heat the year after they won the 2006 title or some of these teams, the, the Mavericks, although they lost some key pieces after they won their title. And sometimes it just doesn't come back. And the problem is... Not necessarily an effort thing, but just like they're worn out. I mean, they played so many games over the past few years, these top players. And they have, I think that they've added too many offensive players and not enough defensive players, Crowder notwithstanding. One, I do think that Love at center is the way to go, even if he doesn't like it. So perhaps this Thompson injury can sort of, in the necessity breeds invention sort of way, can sort of spur them into gear a little bit. Because I, I, I think Love is a center at this stage of his career, and I think that's what he should do. But I don't know. It's it's uh, They're losing by a lot. They're not just losing games. They're getting their ass kicked by some teams that really shouldn't. And I guess, you know, the one saving grace might be that there's – there's been a distinctly like end of preseason feel to like the early part of the regular season in general. I mean, there's some just wacky records. So maybe teams like the Cavs actually, especially given LeBron's injury and the integration of Wade, maybe it really is a, a time sort of thing and that these early season results are just wacky, but I don't know, man, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting worried <laughs> with every game. I'm getting more and more worried that, we're really just talking about a team that's going to limp its way to the playoffs and think they can recapture the magic and they're going to run into a stronger, younger, more hungrier team uh, that can beat them up. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that's totally possible. I think you look at what, what Boston has, what without Gordon Hayward, I mean, what, what the Wizards have, what, what I mean, the Toronto is still around, even if we've seen that, that movie before it's it's not it's not a guarantee and i think they 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 can't just rest on that and i i do think the the heat maybe not necessarily the last year of that Le- lebron heat era but like something like the 06 heat something like like the mavericks i mean that that makes a lot of sense because you are relying on older guys and 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 then maybe and this team isn't full of the guys that went to the title and were super key parts on the title right like there's no kyrie now um there's no richard jefferson anymore but you have you still have LeBron, who's got a ton of miles on him, even if he's a superhuman. J.R. Smith, um, who's got a little back thing right now. Kevin Love, who has his own history of, of injuries the last couple of years. Like that's a that's a real thing. And then Steve Kerr, who has talked about this, and he's talked about it, about his own team. He talked about it playing because he, he actually went to four straight finals. There's nothing harder than that because it just drains you. And we, we know this. That's not even in this NBA where guys are theoretically taking really good care of themselves and, and we know more about that. That's still a thing, and that could just be the case. And, and it's not like Wade's young either. He's 36 years old, right? He's got a ton of miles on him and bad knees. And 
like they they're they're old and they could just be old and even LeBron who even if he's still really really good like he, he probably can't save an old team either to to the degree that he necessarily wants to. All right, Eric, you're you're Ty Lu. You've already held the team meeting uh, early this week, the customary team meeting where we totally talk it out, and it's a great session and all that. Your team's already had the Halloween party, which is supposed to lighten the mood, and so far it has not. You're coming in and you're addressing the team uh, before the Wizards game. What is your message? What's your what's your uh, pregame speech? Um, I first I rewind and and get the inches speech from uh, any given Sunday <laughs> because that's the only speech that can get anybody in any scenario pumped up. Um, and I probably just have a frank and honest conversation with them and say, look, do you guys want to? Um, be this middle of the pack team um, who, who skates into the playoffs and then try to turn it on? Or do you want to make a statement and, and you know, let everybody know in the East now that, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward is hurt and Boston seems to be a little bit more vulnerable that it is, it still goes through Cleveland. It still go, goes through LeBron's team. Um, ask them which one they want to be and then let the results speak for themselves because I don't know if there's much more from a, you know, Zen master type strategy um, that you can do than having the meetings, um, you know, having the, the off-site events, the Halloween parties and whatnot. Um, at this point, it comes down to do these guys want it or not. Um, I don't know how much Ty Lue can really control it. They got to have more Halloween days. We got to have like just, oh, November 21st, it's actually annual dress-up day, and we're going to have a team bonding event for it. Just invent holidays to get them to, to kind of relax and have fun. That would be my strategy. <laughs> I'm sure J.R. Smith can do the party planning for uh, each one of these. Yeah, and then maybe they'll focus just as much attention on defensive rotations. All right, so what what uh, what seed are they going to – I'm going to put your guys on the spot. Like, what is your projected seed for them after these first eight games? Ooh, um, I'm going to go three, I guess. Um, okay. I, I feel like they'll be good enough, and, like, the East is, like, still kind of bad, and I don't know exactly who I'd have ahead of them. Probably, I mean, I think probably probably Washington and at least Washington, I think. But, I mean, it, it, I mean, would it, would it be shocking if they finished, like, fifth, I guess? Like, that's kind of, like, when I, in my head, like, that seems way more on the table than I would have said, you know, eight games ago. You know, like, if, if Milwaukee's good and, and there's these four, three other teams that we know are good, like, it's, it's five totally out of the question, I, w- I would say no. Yeah, I, you think one seed still, or are we are we looking lower, Eric? Um, I had them as two seed um, in oh, our predictions, right. yes, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going two seed. Um, I think they'll turn it around just enough to get that seed. Um, but I don't think it, the circumstances of how they got that two seed are a little bit different than before the season. Um, I was expecting Boston with Gordon Hayward to look good, and I think now that we see them without him, um, we can probably safely assume that they would have been pretty damn good and likely been able to lock up a one seed. So I'm sticking with number two. Do they trade the Brooklyn pick? I certainly hope not, because the future looks pretty bleak. The Nets look pretty good, though. I don't know if the Nets... That might be, like, the eighth pick. I don't think they trade it. I think... I, I think just ownership wise, they're they're clinging to that, and that was the the big thing they got this summer in their mind. Um, so unless LeBron is like wink wink, I'm coming back. They're not going to trade it. But I will say this: if if things don't get better soonish, 
in a some kind of trade that involves their own number, their own first round pick this year, which they can trade now. Like maybe they can try to do something, even even if we don't know what it is, or if that actually like would would make a real difference. And it's probably not, but their own first round pick. I it, I would be actually kind of surprised if they didn't trade that before the deadline. In all honesty, I mean, what what can they get? That I mean, they have like too many players that already need minutes. I don't think they really need uh, just another piece. I mean, but. I don't know. I, I wonder if if LeBron will start to get antsy if they continue to struggle, and how they handle that situation. Because it would be fairly silly from just if he doesn't give you a commitment to trade away that pick for some, you know, the, another like one of those Jared Wallace to the Nets type mm-hmm. of trades. But I mean, I also think Eric you look Bledsoe, at so Cavs trading for Jerry Welsh is the prime example of of wasting oh, a number God. one pick. Oh God! That they then swapped for a second round pick after. That's a deep cut. Can you explain? Because uh, I don't even think I remember that. <laughs> what happened there? What are you talking I'm Google, about? <laughs> I'm, so I'm going to Google this now exactly when this was. But Jerry Welsh was played for the, I think it was with the Celtics that they traded. I'm pretty sure he's a ch- guy from Czech. The Cavs traded for him when in in the middle of the 0405 season. Um, used a first round pick. And this is in 16 games with the Cavs. This is his his stat line. 12 minutes a game, he shot 23.5% from the field, 18.2% from three, uh, scored a whopping 2.9 points per game, and they used a first-round pick on him. Wait, why did they do that? Were they they were close to the playoffs that year? That'd be his second? Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they, were, they were good that year. Um, yeah. They just you know, thought he was the shooter that was going to unlock the offense, and uh, he, was a, he was a complete dud. Chris, I'm so glad we can... Uh, commiserate about Yuri Walsh. It's one of wow. my favorite things to do. <laughs> All right, so Cavs fans, it could be a lot worse. No matter what your team does this year, no matter what panic trade they make, it won't be as bad as the panic trade for Yuri Welsh 12 years ago. Yeah, this continues a trend of us bringing up really random people when we talk to you. Like, Krishna <laughs> first, and now Yuri, Yuri Welsh. And I, I look forward to getting, like, uh, Vitalia Potapinko next time or something like that. That's, that's <laughs> cool. Hey, they could use uh, some athleticism on the wing. Maybe they should give He's Christian an assistant I- coach. He is an assistant. Oh, well, Potapinko is assistant coach. Christian Ienga has got to just be like, that guy needs money. He probably needs a job. Why not? Where is Christian Ienga right now? I might have to look this up. Christian Ienga. I think he just won the uh, dunk contest in Dusseldorf. He's a Congolese professional, but he's in the ACB. So, hey, he's actually pretty good. Yeah. It's only twenty eight in the prime of his prime of his life. Six, probably seven. sounds like let's go for it. Yeah, he probably could uh, have better defensive awareness than Jeff Green. He could probably slide his feet a little better than Kyle Korver. So why not? There you go. All right, so that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thank you guys for coming back on to commiserate about your baffling your team's baffling struggles. Uh, it sounds like see it, it, on the one hand it sounds like you guys aren't concerned but on the other hand we basically listed a whole bunch of reasons why we should be concerned so this is definitely one of those I think heart versus head situations uh, it would be weird it just it's hard to even conceive of a world where this team is not one of the best teams in the league but and they've gone through crises before but I don't know about y'all this one seems different so let's see Maybe we'll look back at this podcast in a few months and wonder what the hell we were thinking. And I think you guys would both hope that. But uh, right now, it's not looking too good for Cavs fans. 
in LeBron we trust forever and ever. In LeBron yeah. we trust. All right, Chris Manning, Eric Jackman. Uh, Chris Manning from Fear of the Sword. Eric Jackman from MMA Fighting. Thank you guys for coming back on the show. Until next time, the this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Oh.